Amen. Today, everybody's looking, everybody's looking for contentment. <clears throat> that's probably that's what we're going to be talking about in Philippians 4. That's what Paul's talking about in, in Philippians 4. Everybody's looking to be happy. Everybody's looking for, and it's, I'm not saying, oh, we all just want to be happy. I'm saying that's, that's what we all want. Everybody wants to be happy. I don't care what you got going on. I don't care who you are. I don't care. We all want that contentment. There's something inside of us that wants to be content. It wants to be happy. It wants to enjoy life. It wants to enjoy things. It wants to enjoy, you know, if, if, if riding four-wheelers is your thing or, or reading books is your thing or shopping is your thing, you know, all those are good things that we want to enjoy life. We don't want to have to struggle. We don't want to have to uh, deal with trials and temptations and tribulations. And we know that they come, but there's something inside of us that wants to be that wants to be content. As we go into Philippians chapter 4, this is, this is the final section of, of Philippians. Um, and he's going to talk about what it means. He's going to talk about himself being, being content. We all have that purpose. We all have a, a, a striving to want, to want to be satisfied. And usually it's, uh, what happens is we find ourselves unsatisfied. We find ourselves without purpose. And usually we see something out there, something somewhere, and we say, if I can just have that, then I can finally have this field. I can finally have this purpose in my life. I can, I can finally be happy. I can finally be content, whatever it is. Usually, you know, you've heard that old saying, the grass is, always looks greener on the other side. Usually that's just because it's more cows pooping on it over there. Uh, but it, so the grass isn't always green. It always, it always isn't green on the other side, but it, somehow it always looks like it. So what we've seen in Philippians as we look through these, is, look through this text in chapter 4 is, over and over again, we've seen the message that Paul has pounded home in every section of Philippians. And that is Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. We've seen it over and over again. We saw Jesus is enough for us to stand united. He's enough for us to forgive one another. He's enough for us to be in fellowship with one another no matter what. He's enough for us to stand righteous before the Father. We saw that. He's enough for us to, to, uh, to lay aside our works, our religious stuff that's going to make us righteous and throw all those things away and, and count them dung so we can be found in Him. He's enough for everything so far that we've seen in Paul's writing to the Philippians. He's wanting them to know that even though he's in prison, even though things probably don't look good for him, even though he's probably, I mean, as far as he knows, he could be at the very end of his life, the very end of his ministry, the very end of all the things that he's done for Christ. He says, Jesus is, Jesus is enough. And today, what we're going to see is Paul says that, that Jesus is enough for you to be happy. He's enough for you to be content. That's the word he uses. He's enough for you to be content no matter what's going on. He's enough. So the context of chapter 4 here, we're going to start in verse 10. And we're just going to look at verse 10 through 13. But I, I kind of need to read the whole section because it's all one big long section. It all, it all goes together. He says, But I rejoice greatly in the Lord that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. He's thanking them for the gift that they sent. He says, your care has flourished for me again. He says, but he teaches something very important right here. He says, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. That's the word that he uses. I know both how to be a base and I know how to abound everywhere. And in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, 
both to abound and to suffer need. And then here's, here's the verse that we all know. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. He says, notwithstanding you've done well, that you did communicate with my affliction. They sent him a gift. Remember, we talked about that in the very beginning of Philippians. Now, you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but you only, you were the only ones who helped me. He says, for even in Thessalonica, you sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire to give, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus, that's the guy that came to him from Philippi, the things which were sent from you, an odor of sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. And then he says, but my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And we'll stop there. Uh, I'm just going to do verses 10 through 13 today because it's a big long section and he's basically thanking him. He's thanking him for the gift. You remember at the very beginning of Philippians, we talked about Epaphroditus was either the pastor of the church at Philippians or he was a member of the church and they sent him to Paul. Paul was in prison in Rome. He was kind of in house arrest in Rome. But you remember we talked about these things that if, if the Roman government didn't take responsibility for you, if you were a prisoner, in there. If somebody, if you were going to get fed, somebody had to bring you some food. If you're going to be clothed, somebody had to bring you some clothes. Later on in Second Timothy, Paul's going to tell Timothy, you know, it's kind of cold where I'm at. Bring me, bring me my coat, you know. And so all the, the, the your family, your friends, your whoever, they had to feed you. They had to bring you stuff. The, it wasn't like the prisons today where they give you meals and, and place to sleep and all that kind of stuff. You had to have that supplied. And so they had brought him probably, we don't know exactly what it was, but probably some money that he could buy food and that he could whatever while he was there in Rome. And he's thanking them. His, his whole section here is thanking them for that gift and praising them, saying, you know, even when I was first left Macedonia, Philippi is in Macedonia. He says, when I first left there, you were the only church that helped me. You were the only church that gave me. He says, and now I'm full because I've gotten the gift that you have sent. But he wants to teach them something very important right here. And it's something that you and I have got to understand. It's something that you and I have got to know, have got to walk in. He's wanting them to understand that he is not in need, so to speak, just for their gift. He almost, when he thanks them in verse 10, we'll read it again. He almost sounds like he's, uh, I don't know, being a little sarcastic, doesn't he? In verse 10, he says, he says, uh, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care of me has flourished. It's almost like he's saying, well, I thank God that finally y'all done gave me some. Y'all have given me some. Finally, at last, you know, after all this time, you ever met somebody thank you like that? Well, thank you. It's about time I figured you was going to do something. You know, it almost sounds like he's, he's saying that. But, of course, we know that he's not because he ends the sentence going, he says, wherein you were careful, which means you did care for me. He says, but, but up until now, you lacked opportunity. He doesn't tell us why they lacked opportunity. But uh, I, I think if, if I, I turn over and I read in 2 Corinthians 8, verse 1, it says, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed upon the churches of Macedonia, how that in the great trial of affliction... The abundance of their joy and deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality, which means even in trial and affliction and poverty, 
they, they gave. And so they probably lacked opportunity because this was one of the churches in Macedonia. They didn't have any money. They didn't have anything. They were being persecuted. They were being uh, trials and tribulations going through. And so they didn't really have anything. They lacked opportunity to help him in the things that he needed at the time. So he's saying, look, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that at last you're able to come alongside and be a partner with me in this gospel, that you're able to aid me as I'm suffering for Christ. You're able to do that. And I know that you've always cared for me. He says, but you've lacked opportunity. Well, now he's rejoicing in the fact that they brought him this gift. But he's going to teach them something about contentment right here. Because he thanks them. And he goes on later on. That's why I read the whole section. He goes on to thank them again. But right in the midst of this, he says, but you need to understand, I'm not speaking out of want. I'm not thanking you because, oh, I can't live without your, without your stuff. I'm not thanking you because I'm over here miserable and I'm just in the prison and I just wish somebody would come along and help me. He's not thanking them out of a heart like that. He's thanking them out of a heart that is content in Jesus Christ. And he's going to show them that this is what he's talking about. He is going to show them that he's fine. He's going to be fine without their gift. He thanks them for the gift, but he's fine without it. In verse 11 and 12, he says... Not that I speak, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I have learned that whatever state I'm in to be content. He says, thank you for your gift, but it's not like I really needed it. You know, I've learned to be content wherever I'm at. He says, I know, verse 12, I know how to be abased. I know how to be brought down low. He says, and I know how to abound. I know how to be exalted. I know when everything's going good. He says, everywhere in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry. I've learned how to be full when everything's going great and everything's rocking right along and everything's fine. And it just seems like I'm on top of the world and victory is just right in my grasp all the time. And he says, but I also, I also know how to be hungry. He says, both to abound. I know how to abound and I know how to suffer need. And he tells them this. He's he's basically telling them, listen, thank you for your gift. Thank you for helping me. But I want you to know that I'm walking what I've been telling y'all to do all this time. Remember, he's told them to stand in the Lord. He's told them to rejoice in the Lord. He's told them to, uh, to, uh, to consider themselves Consider themselves above all things. Consider the, uh, set their affections uh, on heaven above. He's told them to rejoice like four or five times, even in the midst of these things. He's told them all kind of things that they need to be doing. And he's always used the phrase, in the Lord. Stand in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Over and over and over again. And I can hear somebody now, I can hear some, some church folks now going, well, yeah, he's telling us, can you imagine... Them getting the letter from Paul, and here's the church of Philippi, and the guy gets up to read it, whoever is, he's reading it out loud, and Paul is going, rejoice in the Lord. Let all men see your moderation. Rejoice. Again, I say rejoice in the Lord. My God's going to supply you every day. He hadn't got that far yet, but he told them, and don't worry about anything, but in everything with care and, and uh, with uh, thanksgiving, you, you make your request known to God, and then the peace of God's going to pass understanding. is going to guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus, and, and the God of peace is going to be with you. I can hear the guy on the back row going, 
Yeah, that's right. Well, he's got all our money. Sure, he's telling us. Sure, he's telling us go on and be at peace and don't worry about anything. We're, we're hurting over here. We're, we're in poverty. We're being persecuted. And we sent him the money. We sent him the money that we really needed. And now he's telling us, oh, we just have to trust God. We just have to be careful for nothing. But in all things, just praying and rejoice. He almost sounds like Paul's kind of like a TV preacher here, isn't he? He's saying, look, send me your money. And then, you know, you just trust God. It's going to be okay. Buck up, little camper. Cheer up. Put a smile on your face. It's going to be fine. Of course, that's not what Paul's saying. He's saying, thank, oh, I rejoice in the Lord that you are able to send this to me. But you need to understand, I'm not speaking out of, oh, I need something from you. He said, because I know how to be abased. I know how to be brought down and I know how to be hungry and I know how to be full. I know how to be in want. I know how to abound. He's saying, I know how to do these things. I understand that this is this life and I can do all things in Christ is what he's going to say in a moment. But he's telling them, listen, I don't need anything other than Christ to be content. That's what he says in verse 11. Not that I speak in in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state that I am therewith to be, there's that word, content, to be happy, to be joyful, to understand that even right where I'm at, I can be content. I can be content in Christ. Now, listen to what I'm saying. This is not, this is not like, okay, guys, come on, you can tough it out. You can tough it through. It's going to be okay. Come on. Just, just put on your, put on your armor and just walk through. It's a tough thing. We know just get it and get after it. The question that we're asking today is, is Jesus enough for you? That's really the question that is at the heart of this section. Because we've asked it before, hadn't we? Is Jesus enough for you to be righteous? We said that when we talked about our religious works and they're all dung and we're counting them as dung because we want to be found in the righteousness of Christ. We want to know him in the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings. We talked about that. Is Jesus enough? We talked about rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice. And we said, is Jesus enough for you to rejoice? Is he enough for you to rejoice no matter what? Here, the question is the same thing that Paul has been hammering all through this letter. Is Jesus enough right now for you to be content wherever you're at, whatever it is that's going on? Is he enough for you to be content? There's something that's driving you. There's something that you're looking forward to. There's something that you're, you can't get through the day without. You know, it's something that we have in our lives that, you know, maybe it's just you're always looking forward to the weekend or you're always looking forward to your free time or you're looking forward to making, some, you know, a certain amount of money so you can retire. Or There's something that's driving you. There's something that's a purpose in your life. What is it that you want out of life? What is it that you are seeking and striving for? The answer should be Christ. The answer is Christ because we can be content in him. You've heard it said millions of times. You've heard it over and over again. There's something in us that desires something. And what we try to do is we try to stick all kind of stuff in there. We try to stick, you know, possessions and and love and 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 family and job and whatever, fun, free time. You, you stick anything you want in there and it just seems like you're always chasing. 
Always chasing after something. The hamster on the wheel. The faster you go, the faster the wheel goes and you still don't get anywhere. We're all chasing after this contentment. That's really all that we want out of life is to be satisfied. To be satisfied. And so the question is, as Paul is talking to them, is Jesus enough for you to be content? Even if things don't go the way that you're hoping that they'll go. Is he enough for you to be content? And we know he's enough for you to be saved, right? Surely we all know that in here. He's enough for you to be righteous before God. He's enough for the Father to look down upon you and see righteousness and say, I am pleased with you, my son, my child, my daughter. I'm pleased with you because of who Jesus is. But is he enough for you in here for you to look at yourself and say, I'm I'm pleased with you. I'm pleased in here. Is he enough for you to be content? You know, to be honest, I, I'm in the same boat that y'all are in. This is not some great spiritual lesson that I'm teaching y'all that I have learned, you know, and, and I, I'm walking perfectly in it. And I wish y'all could all just be like me. I'm in the same boat as y'all. I want good things. I want good things out of life. I want to be comfortable. I, I don't want to have to struggle through all of my life. I don't want to have to go through bad things. I don't want to have to deal with trials all the time. I, I want good things. I want to be I want to be comfortable. I want to be at ease. You know, I want to be I want to want to be happy through life. I'm the same as everybody else. And so are you. The question that we have to ask ourselves today is, is even if that doesn't happen, is Jesus enough for me? Is he enough or do I need something else in order to be content? Am I able? Do I possess the ability to be content Right where I'm at. And I say ability, understanding that what we mean is, have I lifted Christ up in my mind, in my heart, to such an extent that he is all that I need. He's all that I want. Relationship with him. Now, it's a hard thing. I know it's a hard thing. It's not, it, it, it's not something that you just, it's not something that you just, okay, you know, I'm going to start today. Dang, all right, bang, it's done. It's the oldest fight that there is. It's the oldest temptation there is. Right now, my Sunday school class is going through Genesis, and we, we were in like chapter 7 or 8 right now, but we talk about, talked about the garden and the serpent and all those kind of things. That is the thing the serpent used. That this very fight, this, front, this is the front line of the Christian life right here. This very fight is what the serpent used against Adam and Eve. What did he do? You remember God came and... God created and he gave Adam and Eve everything. He gave them dominion over the entire creation. It's all yours. Have dominion over the animals. Have dominion over the creation. You know, you name the animals. You be fruitful and multiply. Spread my image over, over the face of creation. And more than that, they had perfect physical relationship with God. They walked with God in the cool of the garden, in the cool of the day. They were right there in relationship with God, perfection, walking in it. And of course, you know the story. I don't have to tell you the whole deal. God said, you can eat from any of these trees that you want. You can have anything you want. Just look around. It's all yours except for this one tree. If just don't eat from this one tree and what did Satan do? That was the one thing that he used. You know, God's just keeping that from you. God just doesn't want you to be happy. 
That's what Satan told him. He said, did God really say you can't eat from any tree? And of course, Eve says, no, we can eat from every tree. But of that tree, we can't eat, neither touch the fruit. She kind of added to the command. And then what did Satan say? He said, you won't surely die. God knows that in the day that you eat of it, you'll be like him. God's keeping something from you. God's trying. He just doesn't want you to be happy. He doesn't want you to enjoy this fullness, this whatever. That God gave them literally everything, including perfect relationship with him. And it didn't take but a few sentences for Satan to come to Eve and to convince her, you're missing out on something. There's something that you don't have. And that's the same thing that he uses today. His tactics hadn't really changed a lot in all, in, in all this time. He comes and he says, God's keeping something from you. God knows that, you know, if, if you could just have this one thing, this one thing, you'll be content. You'll finally be happy. You'll finally be fulfilled. You'll finally have this place in your heart filled up and everything will be fine and you'll be satisfied purpose in your life you'll you'll be fulfilled in life and everything's going to click all the puzzle pieces are going to fit together and everything is going to be fine and you're just going to be so happy if you just have this one thing and what happens when you get the one thing well maybe that wasn't it maybe maybe i need something else maybe i need to go two steps further paul says here look i have learned i've learned That in whatsoever state I am, I've learned to be content. Not because, he's not saying, listen, he is not saying, come on, just be happy where you are. You know, it could be worse. It could be worse. You you ever met that guy when you're going going really through something bad? Well, it could be worse. (laughs) Shut up. Of course, we know it could be worse. But he's not saying, hey, just suck it up. You know, you really are doing it means it's okay you've got a lot of blessings and all that what he's saying is i can do it all whether it's being hungry or being full because jesus is enough for me knowing christ that i remember what he said earlier in philippians that i may know him in the power of his resurrection the fellowship of his suffering knowing christ is enough for me I don't have to don't have to fight for something else that's in this world for, to be content. I can be content whether I'm full. I can be content whether I'm hungry. I can be content whether I'm abased, whether I'm I'm pushed down, whether I'm beat down, or I can be content whether I'm I'm exalted and everything's going fine and you know I don't have no troubles, no trials. I can be content no matter what because my contentment is found in Christ Jesus. The re- really what this boils down to, and we probably get out early today, but what it boils down to is that what you believe about Christ matters. Your theology matters. Who you believe God is, it, it matters. I'm not saying, hey guys, y'all need to be fighting for contentment. I'm not saying, hey, you need to be fighting for, just fighting for joy, for joy's sake. Really, that's just treating the symptoms of the problem. What I'm saying is, what I'm saying is that you need to be fighting against idolatry. Because when you find your contentment in something other than God, you're an idol worshiper. Whatever you, whatever you live for, that's your God. 
Whatever you find your peace and your purpose in, that's your God. Whatever you look forward to, that's your God. That's, that's who you're serving. Whatever you're willing to sacrifice for, that's your God. You sa- we all sacrifice for our God. We all do. No matter who you are, no matter if you're a rabid atheist saying, I don't even believe in this God stuff, you've got a God and you're sacrificing for him. You're, you're having all your enjoyment in whatever your God is. You're living for your God. You're, you know, you're, you have finding your purpose in your God. That's what you're doing. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter, doesn't matter where you are. Mankind is made to be a worshiper and it will find something to worship until he's born again and begins to worship the one true and only God. He will find him something to worship. And so the question when we say, is Jesus enough for you? What I'm asking, what Paul is intimating here is he's saying, I'm content where no matter what happens because I have Christ. What he's asking is, is Jesus your God? Is he the one that you're sacrificing for? Is he the one that you're looking forward to? Have you ever thought about Paul, how much that he went through and how he was able? He was just a guy. I mean, he was a he was a man. The Holy Spirit inspired, wrote through him and inspired the inerrant word of God. He was just a preacher. He was just a missionary. He wasn't the son of God. He wasn't perfect. There were times I can go through Acts and I can show you that Paul got discouraged sometimes. God had to actually come to Paul and say, hey, stop being afraid. I've got people in this city and you continue to speak and don't be silent. I can show you that places where Paul himself got discouraged and was down. He was just a man, but he could be content in Christ, not because he was a better person than you or not because he had more of the Holy Spirit than you have or something like that. He was born again, just like you and I are. The point of what he's saying here and the reason he was able to be content is because his God was Jesus Christ. And that's who he was serving. He could say, you know what, whether I live or whether I die, whether I stay in this prison or whether I get out, no matter what happens, I can sacrifice. I can sacrifice all of my life, whether it's being if it's going to end here in the next few days in this prison or if I get out and I get to go to Spain or wherever it is that I get to go to. No matter what happens, I can be content because my whole life is a sacrifice. It's a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, presenting my body to him. And I can be content in that because he is where I find my peace. He is where I find my joy in Christ. I can be content. And that's what he means when he says it. So today you can be content in Christ. What are you serving? Is that is is that your God? Whatever you're looking forward to. Whatever, whatever fills your mind of, boy, I can't wait until I get this or have this or do this. You know, I had a discussion not long ago with someone about the Sabbath, you know, and basically to spare you the details of the discussion. But I said, everybody has a Sabbath, whether you're religious or not, whether you're born again or not. Everybody has a Sabbath. Even the guy who says, oh, I hate God. I don't believe in God. I don't want They have a Sabbath, too. They got a day of the week they're looking forward to. Usually it's Friday night, maybe Saturday. Don't know. Go to the river. Go do your thing. You've got a day. You've got a day every week that you look forward to. And every day of that week, you're going to serve your God. 
Whoever it is, might just be yourself. You might be making yourself your own God. You might be making your fun, your free time your own God. But you're going to worship your God. All mankind is going to worship their God. The question is, are you going to worship the true God, the only God? When I say God, I hope you know you're, I'm talking about little g, not real gods. We worship in ourselves. We worship in our idols. We worship in our stuff. There's only one true God. And we can have, we can have contentment in Christ. He says in verse 11, I don't speak out of respect of one. I thank you for your gift, but I'm not speaking because I need it. I'm not speaking out of want because I've learned whatsoever state I am to be content. How can he be content in whatever state that he's in? I mean, that almost defies imagination. How can you be content in prison? How can you be content persecuted? How can you be content always fearing death, always knowing that at any time you could be chased out of the city, stoned, beaten, Put in jail. How can you be content in in these kind of circumstances? And he gives us in verse 13, the verse you probably know better than any other, says, I can do all things. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I don't know if if you guys ever found this, but sometimes the hardest verses to preach are the ones everybody knows the best. Because I've heard this one, and... I'm not saying we, it, it does mean that I can do all things. I'm not going to give you no wonderful revelation that nobody's ever heard of. I mean, that, it means exactly what it says. So I don't have nothing new to tell you, but I've heard it used. I mean, you, you, you got the football guys that go out before the game. You know, we, we're going to win because I can do all things in Christ. You know, more power to you. I, I, I've, heard, I've actually heard it. You ever watch that World Series of poker on TV? They'll have the, it's like on ESPN. They'll have the, the two guys playing poker and they'll show you the hands. And it's, you know, it's like they're just competing for, for prize money or whatever. Well, I, I remember watching that one time. It's been years ago. And the, I guess the guy's wife was in the audience. And, and uh, of course, they flip over cards one at a time. You know, they're all back there hoping for the right card or whatever. And his wife is back there on television. His wife's back there going, come on, honey, you can do all things in Christ. You know, no weapon form can come against you and prosper. I was thinking, I'm pretty sure Paul didn't mean poker when he was, when he was writing that. I, you know, I don't know. But what we see here, what we see here is it's not just sometimes, sometimes I'm going to talk about me. Sometimes I use, I can do all things in Christ in order to get what I want. If I want, if I want to get that job, you know, I'll go, you know, I can do all things in Christ. Go in and get this new job. If I want you know, afford a new house. Boy, if I, I can do all things in Christ. And that's fine. That's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. If I want to win the game, I'm, I can do all things in Christ. Good. But do you see Paul's meaning as we've walked? He, he kind of means, what if I don't get the job? What if I don't win? What if I don't get the new house? What if I don't ace the test? What if I don't? He says, even if I don't, I can do all things in Christ. He said, I know how to be full. I know how to be hungry. He says, I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. 
I can do all things, whether it's being full and happy and everything's rocking along. I can do it in Christ. I can do it everything in Christ Jesus or whether it's I'm hungry and I don't have enough and I don't know where it's going to come from and I don't know where how this situation is going to end and I'm scared and I'm all these things. He says, I can do that in Christ. I can do that in Christ who strengthens me. I know how to do all things in Christ, whether it's good and great and everything's rocking along and it's fine or whether it's bad and I don't understand the circumstances and it doesn't seem like anybody cares and it doesn't seem like I'm ever going to make it out. I can do that in Christ, too. I can do all things I can do. I can be in whatever state that I'm in, in whatever state that I find myself. I can be content because I know that I have Christ. I know that I have Christ Jesus, even if I don't get. And you know what? You know what really is my hope in the midst of all this? This text is Paul says, if you'll go back to verse 12, Tyler. No, verse 11. He says. I don't speak. I don't speak out of respect of want. He says, because I've learned. I've learned that in whatsoever state I am therewith, whatever state I'm in to be content. So this is not something, this is, this is something you definitely work on. This is something definitely that God works in you. I, like I said before, I could show you some passages in, uh, in Acts where, where it seems like Paul is, he's kind of down. I mean, imagine getting beaten, chased out of every city that you're going in and God comes to him and says, stop being afraid. I've got people in this city. You, you continue to speak. I'm going to protect you. He says, I've learned. I've learned to do this. Understand, you and I, we're growing in Christ. We're growing. If the Holy Spirit lives in you, if you're saved, you're born again, then you are growing in Christ. If you're not growing in Christ, if Christ has no, uh, if Christ doesn't just set your heart on fire when you dwell on him and think about him and who he is and what he's done, then I would say you probably need to get saved. You probably need to trust in Christ because he gives, uh, he gives abundantly those who call upon his name. He gives the Holy Spirit comes and indwells you and will lead and guide you in all truth. And, you know, he will be with you forever and he will cause you to keep his commandments. But understand, Paul says, look, I've learned. And the next verse in verse 12, he says, I'm instructed. I'm instructed both to be full. He says, I, I, you know, it stinks. It stinks being hungry. It stinks going through these things. It stinks going through hard times and trials and, and being beat down and abased and all the, it, it stinks doing that. I understand that. He was a man just like we are. He says, but I've been instructed. I have learned. I've learned. I've grown to understand that Jesus Christ is the source of my contentment. He's the source of my purpose and my fulfillment. And there's nothing else in this life that's going to fill that void. There's nothing else in this life. And we'll catch ourselves. You'll catch yourself. You'll catch yourself going, I need that to be happy. You might not ever say it with your mouth, but you'll say, you know, if I can just get that job, if I can just get this new house, if I can just, if I can just get my wife to act right, if I can just get my kids, to, I mean, whatever, you can put anything in that blank. If I could just blank, I could finally be happy. That's idolatry. 
That's placing another God before him. Paul says, I'm instructed, whether I'm full, whether I'm hungry. He says, I have learned whatever state I'm in, I can be content. I can do all things in Christ. I can be hungry in Christ. I can be beat down in Christ. I can be abased in Christ. I can be made fun of in Christ. I can be, I can be worried about, I can do anything in Christ. I can also be full in Christ. I can also be joyful in the midst of whatever. I can also love Christ and follow Christ even when all my bills are paid and everything is good. I don't get at ease in Zion. I don't lay back in the recliner and put my arms behind my head and say, "Woo, everything's good, everything's fine, I don't have to do nothing else. No, I'm in Christ. And if I'm in Christ, I'm serving Christ. I'm serving Christ when I'm hungry. I'm serving Christ when I'm full. I'm serving Christ when I don't know where my next stuff, my next meal, my next payment's going to come from. And I'm serving Christ when everything's paid and I'm just as comfortable as I can be. I'm serving Christ no matter what because he is the joy of my life. My fulfillment don't come when I'm comfortable and everything's fine. So often you see that in, in, in people that, that are uh, uh, naming the name of Christ. It, when they're hurting and when they're going through all kinds of things, it's easy to come and say, oh, I need Christ. Christ, please help me. And then when you know, God blesses them because he reigns on the just and the unjust, what happens when you get comfortable, you get at ease, everything's going good, then Christ goes out the window for some reason. They go, fellowship goes out the window for some reason and they don't come around as much anymore. They don't serve as much anymore. They're not involved as much anymore. Why? Because they can't do all things in Christ. They can come to Christ in need. It's easy to come in need because you don't have nothing else. But when they're full, they don't do that in Christ. He says, I can be content. My joy. I want you to see both sides. Please, I know I'm probably stuttering over myself, but when you don't have anything and everything's going against you, everything's wrong, every trials, tribulations, nothing's going right, you don't know how you're going to get through the day, you can be content in Christ in that situation. And when everything's going great and it's full and nothing's wrong and you got all your bills paid and, and you're not hungry and your family's doing great and your job's doing great and you just couldn't ask for anything else, the only place you can find contentment is in Christ. I've learned, that's what he says, whatever state I'm in, whether I'm full, whether I'm hungry, whether I'm based or whether I'm abased or whether I'm abound, I can do all things in Christ because it's Christ who strengthens me. The question is simple, and I'm sure you know it by now. Is, is he enough? Is he enough for you? You can ask that two different ways. When you're, when you're in want, there's nothing wrong. I mean, we just read the verse last week. Let your request be made known to God. So I'm not saying, oh, y'all shouldn't be in want. You shouldn't be asking God. I mean, he just said it in the section before this. Let all your requests be made known to God. But the question is, is Christ enough? When you're in want and you don't have what you think you need to be happy, is Christ enough for you to be content? And is Christ enough in the sense that when you're full and everything's going great, you don't really have no struggles, don't really have no worries. You're in one of those periods in your life where everything's just, everything's just everything. 
is Christ enough then? Or does your focus get on all the stuff? The question is, is Christ enough? We know he's enough for salvation. We saw that in Philippians. We've seen that through the whole scripture, really. We know he's enough for you to rejoice in the Lord no matter what. We know he's enough for you to cast your cares upon him, to bring your, let your request be made known with thanksgiving. We know he's enough to save our souls and resurrect our bodies. Is he enough for you to be content today no matter what happens, no matter what happens in your life? It's not, what we're saying as we close here is, it's not, I'm not saying go strive for contentment. I'm saying strive, as Peter says, to sanctify the Lord Jesus in your heart where He is your purpose. He is your love. He is what you're striving for. And in Him, you understand that's where my contentment is found. That's where my life is found. That's where my purpose, my fulfillment, my whatever it is that you want, that's where it's found. It's not found in any other place, not found in any other person. It's not found in anything that you can get or that can be taken from you. Contentment is found in Christ. And yes, if you have been born again, you can do all things in Christ Jesus who strengthens you. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you for your word. God, I I don't know.